0: Three years ago, a biotech company called Illumina decided to make a big acquisition.
1: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on such short notice.
0: That's Francis D'Souza, the CEO of Illumina at the time, speaking on an investor relations call in September 2020.
1: I'm excited to share that earlier this morning, we announced an agreement to acquire Grail and to work together to launch a new era in cancer detection.
0: This acquisition, valued at $8 billion, was presented as a way for Illumina, a company that makes gene sequencing machines, to corner a new market in the realm of cancer screening and detection. Now see, Illumina is, in its own right, a major player in biotech. Here's the FT's US pharmaceutical correspondent, Jamie Smith.
2: Illumina is the largest gene sequencing company in the world. It has about 80% market share of the machines, which are able to study and sequence people's DNA. And that is a revolutionary new technology, which is really helping to discover drugs that can target new diseases.
0: And Illumina's new acquisition, Grail, is a biotech startup that's in the process of developing another potentially revolutionary technology. What they're working on is a test that can screen for lots of different types of cancer by analyzing a person's blood. And Grail is called Grail because, well...
2: It's like the holy grail in oncology to have one simple test, which can detect cancer in all the different parts of your body, it would be an incredible thing if it could be proven to work.
0: The potential to help people with these tests could be massive. And so could the potential payout. Picture what that could mean for Illumina, a company that would not only have a near monopoly on gene sequencing technology, but also a major cancer screening test.
2: If you look at the US, you know, you could have 100 million people over 50 years of age. There could be huge revenue generating potential. We're talking tens of billions of dollars of revenue each year. It could push it up the ranks to be one of the largest companies in the US.
0: But before Illumina could unlock that potential revenue, they would need to spend a lot of money to bring Grail's product into the market. When Illumina acquired Grail, Greel needed help funding really expensive things, like its clinical trials, that would one day hopefully earn them U.S. Food and Drug Administration approval.
2: It's extremely expensive to try and prove this technology works, so it needed the money to do that. So Illumina seemed like the perfect benefactor.
0: This would be just one of many expenses for Illumina. And soon things would start to add up. And Illumina would find itself in a balancing act trying to fund this high-risk but high-potential startup, while also trying to keep their shareholders happy.
2: It costs a fortune, and you've got to have a backer that's prepared to back you all the way. I think investors began to worry that this whole ambitious strategy of buying Grail had just gone wrong.
0: And then, one of Wall Street's most feared corporate raiders came knocking and launched the biggest proxy battle of the year. Michaela Tendera from the Financial Times. It looked like Illumina could have the chance to strike gold when it switched gears and announced plans to acquire a company with a different business three years ago. But then Illumina's stock price fell and an activist investor campaign took off. Today on Behind the Money, we're looking at whether investors hungry for returns will get in the way of a startup's ambitious goals. The relationship between Grail and Illumina begins roughly a decade ago. The scientific breakthrough that was at the heart of Grail's cancer screening technology actually came from a scientist inside one of Illumina's labs.
2: A scientist, Meredith Hawkes-Miller, was looking at prenatal tests, and she was doing gene sequencing in these. She was looking at the samples of mother's blood to determine if there was any fetal abnormalities, and she started to see a curious pattern of defects in the genes. And she thought, Eureka, this can only be cancer. So she continued. She went to her bosses, she said, this looks like it could be an amazing discovery. And they started to work at validating and proving that that's what it really was.
0: This was the beginning of something potentially groundbreaking.
2: I think it was a huge discovery because if you look at the cancer screening tests that we have right now, like mammograms, they tend to be quite labor intensive and invasive. So if you could just get a single blood draw and check for different cancers at once, well, this could be potentially very powerful.
0: And that initial discovery was the catalyst for tons of research and money to fly into this field. And in 2017, Illumina spun this new cancer screening company out onto its own. And that company was called Grail.
2: They got more than $2 billion of investment from the likes of Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, the Chinese company Tencent. So these were really high-profile investors, and they began to do tests on the product to try and validate it and get it to work. And this actually coincided with a very robust period in the funding environment in the biotech sector. So there was a lot of money sloshing around at the time.
0: By 2020, the data that Grail was producing for its tests was looking good. And Illumina, Grail's former home, was taking notice.
2: Illumina suddenly got very interested in it and thought this could be a revolutionary technology which fits very well with its gene sequencing business. And so it actually bought back Grail for $8 billion. I now mean, that was a huge sum in 2020.
0: Illumina announced its plans to acquire Grail in September 2020. But not long after, some issues started to crop up that would threaten the future of the deal.
2: Illumina came up against this antitrust problem in both the U.S. and the EU. So basically regulators looked at Illumina's dominant position in the gene sequencing market and they felt that if it was allowed to buy Grail, it would really hamper competition in this emerging area of uh, Multi cancer early detection testing. So both the US and the EU tried to block the deal.
0: When regulators get involved in a deal, that's usually a sign for company executives to pump the brakes. But Illumina did something else.
2: Illumina did something which was very unusual. It closed the deal, even though, you know, these two regulators, the FTC, and the European Commission had said they had big concerns about this uh, transaction.
0: So in 2021, Illumina closed this deal and officially acquired Grail, despite what regulators in the US and Europe were telling them to do.
2: And of course, what happened is it just got caught up in all this litigation. Both Brussels and the FTC issued divestment orders. They asked Illumina to sell Grail, and that prompted Illumina to launch a major legal fight against these orders.
0: So is getting caught up in litigation with regulators about Grail when, meanwhile, a second issue starts to reveal itself. The biotech stock boom that was happening at the height of the pandemic starts to fizzle out.
2: When Illumina bought Grail, it was the peak of the biotech market. And so a lot of stocks were quite overvalued. This was... You know, during the height of COVID, money was rushing in from investors into the biotech sector. But there was this general move out of biotech uh, stocks as uh, the pandemic eased.
0: And then there's a third issue.
2: So last year, Illumina began to suffer operational problems. So it had two profit warnings. And really, the company began to face tough competition from a crop of early stage companies, you know, one of them was Ultimate Genomics, which announced that it could sequence the genome for a cost of hundred dollars, which is about half of what Illumina could do. We also saw BGI, a huge Chinese competitor, enter the U.S. market for the first time after winning a patent dispute with Illumina. And of course, at this time, Illumina's management are all wrapped up in the antitrust issues, so that they were quite distracted from their core business. And so, by the end of 2022, we had. Illumina announcing a cost-cutting plan, and it said it was going to slash 5% of its workforce.
0: Now keep in mind, Illumina's 80% market share meant that the company had been able to make their investors a lot of consistent money for many years. These new developments seem to be threatening
2: that. As the investors began to look at this, you know, they felt that what's this gene sequencing company doing buying a sort of niche cancer test company. You know, it's a distraction from the core business of Illumina, which is actually really profitable. So investors were getting wary.
0: Meanwhile, the clock was ticking for Grail to get over their own big hurdle, FDA approval. Getting approval from the FDA is a crucial step for any biotech company. In Grail's case, that approval would open doors to being added to national cancer screening programs. That's like how doctors advise people over a certain age to get mammograms or pap tests or colonoscopies.
2: And then they're hoping that insurance companies and possibly even US government-run health insurers will begin to cover the test. And that would really expand the use of these tests to the population which may need them most.
0: Getting added to a screening program would also unlock that big money that we heard about earlier. While Grail was working on getting that full FDA approval, the startup actually began selling its test in 2021, making it available to people in the U.S. with a doctor's prescription. Because it hasn't been fully approved by the FDA yet, the test is labeled as a laboratory-developed test. In some cases, these tests have already started helping people.
2: I spoke to some patients who had taken the test who, who were really enthusiastic. One of them, Valerie Caro, you know, she was in her mid-50s. She was reading a book about cancer and these different types of tests. And she came across the real test. She got it and then got a positive signal for cancer in the gallbladder. So she did a follow-up test and underwent surgery. She underwent chemo. She's in recovery now. And she says this test really saved her life. So she's recommending others to follow her example and take it.
0: But Jamie says not everyone feels like Valerie.
2: We've got a lot of critics out there who say they're trying to sell these things to the public before they're fully proven that they actually work. They say they haven't done enough testing and they haven't done the right trials yet to really prove that these products should be out in the market.
0: In Grail's case, I spoke with the company's president, Joshua Offman, back in May.
1: We've done, you know, a very robust analytical and clinical validation, and that's really, the requirement to have a diagnostic test or a a screening test that's ready for use in in patients. We've received all the appropriate certifications and approvals needed to do that under the lab-developed test pathway.
0: Offman also told me that they're going above and beyond those steps by using the tests they're selling now to collect even more real-world data. Right now, Grail's in the process of conducting their largest study yet inside the UK.
2: It's got one of the largest ever clinical trials of a cancer screening test ongoing in the UK with the National Health Service. So they're going to screen 140,000 people over at least three years.
0: The purpose of the trial will be to figure out if Grail's test, along with other more standard cancer screenings, can detect cancer at an early stage, and if patients have a higher chance of successful treatment if they're found to have cancer.
2: And if that happened, You would then look to see if it gets FDA approval. That would lead to a much wider adoption of this test across the U.S.
0: But Grail's also in a race against
2: time. So Grail faces an economic challenge at the minute. Its operating costs are about $700 million a year. And its revenues last year were $55 million. So you can see that it's causing huge losses to move ahead in this development stage. Those currently are being borne by its owner, Illumina. So it has faced severe economic challenges over the last 12 months because its core business of gene sequencing has also suffered somewhat. And then it's having to shoulder this burden of investing lots and lots of money in Grail to get it out into the market.
0: As I mentioned, I spoke with Grail's president back at the end of May, and I also asked him about how Grail was managing these losses.
1: This has been in our plan the whole time. Grail was spun out. From Illumina, as you know, and, you know, raised a lot of capital because they recognized that embarking on something that will fully change the paradigm for cancer detection was going to be a long term investment and was going to take enormous resources and enormous studies. And so this has always been in Grail's plan to make these types of investments over this period of time.
0: So while Offman said this was in Grail's plans. This wasn't necessarily in the plans of Illumina's investors.
2: You know, it had this 80% market share. The type of investors that invest in those companies, they're not that interested in doing a complete bet on a startup. It's a completely different type of investment thesis. So I think that's why Illumina's investors are, are concerned, you know. They bought in to the company for one reason, and then the management changed the name of the game halfway through.
0: So to recap, since Illumina first announced its acquisition of Grail in September 2020, a lot has happened. Illumina's been hit with challenges from regulators. Their stock's been struggling. They've faced new competitors in their core business. And Grail hasn't struck gold with its own test yet either. And so for all of these reasons, enter the feared activist investor Carl Icahn.
2: So Carl Icahn is this 87-year-old legendary corporate raider. You know, he's the inspiration behind Gordon Gekko and Wall Street. And his main aim is to go in and restructure poorly run companies.
0: By March of this year, Icahn had amassed a small 1.4% stake in Illumina worth some $400 million. His next step? Sit down and write a letter to Illuminas shareholders that, naturally, quoted Shakespeare's play Hamlet.
2: There's a famous line in Hamlet where one of the guards says, something's rotten in the state of Denmark. And so Icahn starts off his letter to other shareholders by saying something's rotten in the state of Illumina.
0: And that something rotten, Icon said, was Illumina's purchase of Grail.
2: Icahn said, this idea of buying Grail hasn't gone well. You know, it had made this $8 billion acquisition of Grail in uh, 2020. It paid a lot for that. That was the peak of the biotech boom, so it paid way over the odds. And then, you know, Illumina came up against this antitrust problem in both the U.S. and the E.U.
0: Icon had two main objectives in his campaign. One, he said that Illumina should spin off Grail. And two, he wanted to obtain three seats on Illumina's board, including the seats of Illumina's CEO, Francis D'Souza, and Illumina's chair, John Thompson.
2: So he said those two leaders of the company were actually too intimately connected because they'd worked together together in a previous company, so they knew each other very well. And he made these allegations that D'Souza had actually hand-picked all the board members, and there was a lack of independence on the board.
0: Illumina has denied those comments about the executives.
2: The campaign got quite nasty. Even Francis D'Souza's divorce got brought into it in one of Carl Icahn's letters to investors.
0: So we have Icahn on one side. He wants Illumina to sell Grail, He thinks it's holding the company back from those steady returns and growth that shareholders have grown used to. On the other side, we have the Illumina execs, the CEO and the chair. They can see the potential for Grail's product. But which side would the shareholders choose? It all came to a head last month at Illumina's annual shareholder meeting.
2: So usually, whenever companies hold their annual meetings, everybody's invited. But in this case, Illumina did not provide access to the media to their annual meeting, which is quite an unusual move. And I think that reflects just the sensitivity the company had in the midst of this heated battle with Carl Icahn. So we had to rely on talking to shareholders about what happened in the meeting. But what we saw was that only one of Icahn's board nominees got elected, a man called Andrew Tenno. So he got elected to the board. And that meant that the chairman, John Thompson, a very experienced chairman, he's a former Microsoft chairman, he was actually ousted from the Illumina board. So that was a success for Carl Icahn but his two other nominees didn't get elected. So in a sense, what we got was a bit of a score draw, we would say, you know? So ICANN got rid of the chairman, but he didn't get rid of the chief executive. He got one man on the board, but he didn't get the two others that would really enable him to shape the corporate strategy of Illumina.
0: So this conclusion wasn't necessarily enough to push things forward in one direction or another. But then in June, there was another development. Illumina's CEO Francis D'Souza has officially stepped down. That follows pressure from Carl Icahn to remove himself from the position after D'Souza's push to acquire healthcare company Grail.
2: Earlier this month, on a Sunday morning at about 8 a.m., we got an email from Illumina announcing that Francis D'Souza was resigning from the company. The resignation occurred with immediate effect, and he didn't get any termination payoff. Although he is going to stay on at the company until next month as an advisor, until the company can find a replacement as chief executive.
0: Wow. So what does it mean now that he's on his way out?
2: So, you know, this is a big deal. D'Souza was the key proponent for retaining Grail within Illumina. And most analysts expect that the company will now move more quickly to either spin off Grail or at least announce a plan, a strategy to do so. So I think when we see the new CEO appointed, probably have to wait a couple of weeks and then I think we'll get some message as to where Illumina is gonna go in terms of Grail. And I think really, you know, when we look at this whole illumina Grail situation, you know, it, it's a great example of how chief executives have to be very careful If they're going to ignore regulators and they have to be extremely careful if they're going to ignore shareholders, especially when their core business is declining somewhat.
0: So where do you see things going next from here? What happens to these disputes that Illumina is having with regulators?
2: Most people think that the legal cases could well continue because they're going to set a really important precedent in antitrust law. And actually, Illuminum might be loath to drop its legal cases because it probably wants to give itself as much flexibility as possible in terms of how it spins off or sells Grail. And if it happened to win those cases, you know, obviously it would be able to take any path that it chooses with regard to Grail, possibly even holding on to it, although it's not clear that shareholders would agree with that.
0: So, what do you think happens to Grail? What does D'Souza's leaving mean for them?
2: I think analysts have said that it's a perilous situation for Grail, mainly because of the huge amounts of money that it's investing to try and get the clinical trial complete in the UK. So, the problem for Grail is that if Illumina spins it out, who's going to take up the slack? The whole context for biotech companies has changed in terms of funding over the last two years. This is no longer the pandemic era when investors were basically sending huge amounts of money into biotech stocks and interest rates were at rock bottom. We've seen interest rates rising and more skepticism towards the biotech sector. So it's much more difficult to fund ambitious programs like this.
0: A tougher market only underscores the challenges that may be ahead for Grail.
2: I think the Illumina battle over Grail really shows how difficult it can be for a monopoly player, a big established company to absorb and fund the development of a very risky yet high potential startup like Grail.
0: Money is hosted by me, Michaela Tendera. Safia Ahmed is our producer. Topher Forges is our executive producer. Sound design and mixing by Sam Giovinco. Cheryl Brumley is the global head of audio. Thanks for listening. See you next week.